Yeah, no, I hit the. I did the thing where I accidentally hit the wire with my hand. Oh, I just pulled the wire out of my mic. You sound like ten times better than you did a minute ago. True. So I guess that's a good thing. Welcome to episode seven of Podcast X. Um, I am Ben Kendrick. I am joined by my co-host, Rob Keys. I am here and I am awake. And Mr. Special Guest, Kofi Outlaw. What up? Who is joined by his special guest, a uh, glass of bourbon? No. Scotch? Vodka. I don't drink, I don't drink anything brown anymore. Vodka. Uh, no? uh, just... Some uh, vodka, lemon juice, and so you don't have that much liquid between you, you know, you and me. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair. The main thing that we'll be talking about this week is our reactions to Obi Wan Kenobi season one. Um, the finale just aired, uh, you know, towards the end of last week. So we'll be talking some about that. We might do a few Stranger Things predictions if we have time, since that's coming back. And I have one kind of question that I have for the guys that they don't know that I'm going to ask that I'm going to ask um, later on if we have time. So it's just kind of a fun, fun question that came up today that I was thinking of. So uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's just jump into it. So, um, you know, Obi-Wan finished last Wednesday. It seems like people were relatively positive about it, but I am kind of curious how you guys feel about this season as a whole now that it's over, um, what you thought of the finale but I'll kick it over to Rob Keys, who is our, I would say, is probably the biggest Star Wars fan. Out of the three. Oh, I don't know. I think Kofi's a pretty big Kofi's, Star Wars no, fan. I mean, we'll Kofi's, see. Kofi's big. Kofi's big, but I feel like you... <laughs> um, yeah, we'd have to put that to the test, buddy. I don't know about yeah, that. Yeah, we'll do a X-Wing Alliance 1v1 tie see, interceptors. What, Let's go. Bro, I, mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I love you guys. I love you guys and your uh, ranting at screens, but I don't know how much you uh, rant at comics and, you know, I don't know how deep Rob Key's in deep in Star Wars comics and novels and all that. That's, That's fair. fair. Some of the books, not so much the comics. So you got me yeah. there. All right. Um, so, okay. You win, you win. Comic Book Nation over here, dropping knowledge. Um, okay, Obi-Wan. Let's see here. So, the, you know what? I, it was tough for me to get into this one. The first couple episodes, and I think we may have discussed this, at least offline if we haven't on the podcast, um, a little bit slow. Um, and I was burned by the book of Boba Fett. So I was kind of pretty cautious about this one going into it. But um, didn't like the pacing of the first couple episodes. It just felt like this could have been a movie and they extended it unnecessarily. I felt like if, you know, did not like the sets, the production design. It felt it felt budget with big name actors. I don't like that. I don't like this Marvel, Star Wars, Disney Plus formula there where they where they, they A-list stars and throw them in an ABC series sort of thing. But um, t- toward the back half – um, certainly, you know, five and six, uh, of the six episode miniseries, it, it picks up. Um, and a lot of that has to do with finally getting, you know, the, the top bill fight of some Vader Obi-Wan action and dialogue. Um, look, we can all agree. Um, Ewan McGregor has Obi-Wan Kenobi is one of the, the best parts, best castings of the whole Star Wars saga. Uh, so having him back, you know, that's very for the fans, fans have been clamoring and asking Hugh McGregor in interviews about this for years. So having him back, is, it's pleasant. It's nice to see him on screen. You just have to accept it. It's like a fan-focused thing. And then 
conversely, bringing back Hayden and having him earn back his spot and earn the love from fans, a celebration, having those two together and getting to see a little more Vader under the mask, uh, literally and metaphorically, was was cool. And and I, I, I really, really did like some of the action scenes we get with them, um, or at least the, the final action scene with them, uh, because it pulls, and, and fans will love this, uh, it, it pulls like some of the Force stuff you see in video games, like the Force Unleashed, where they just go crazy with it. And I really enjoyed that stuff. Um, but is this great storytelling? For, for me, it wasn't. Um, I think the biggest challenge in, in modern Star Wars for me is just we have to accept that Star Wars isn't necessarily always going to be great. More often than not, it's not going to be. It's just going to get up. It's so big now. It's so present. There's always going to be new movies and TV shows, or soon we're going to get both. Um, we just got to kind of pick and choose where where it shines for you. And uh, we'll talk about more Star Wars later, but like I'm excited for Andor and the animated shows, but everything else. Mandalorian is pretty hit or miss, mostly hit, but the other stuff hasn't been working for me. So uh, this falls along those lines. Um, and without getting too much into the de- details just yet, uh, it, I thought it was interesting that this show brought the Inquisitors from the animation in, into live action and then didn't really finish their, give them any sort of conclusion of a story arc in this one. Um, they're sort of forgotten about in the end, which I thought was weird. And you know, if you watch the animated shows, you may know why. But in this show, they don't quite fit the bill, especially as these ultimate Jedi hunters who fail to hunt the main Jedi the show is named after. They don't even bother by the time the show ends. Um, and because of where this fits in canon, uh, you know, there's not necessarily the biggest consequences to some of the major things that should have happened, like Reva or the third sister fails to kill the Grand Inquisitor, <laughs> and then Vader fails to kill Reva, and nobody tries to kill Obi-Wan. It just seems so weird. And then the biggest thing is, you know, Obi-Wan um, kind of contemplating what he has to do. He has to take out Anakin. And then we get this culmination of this great scene where Obi-Wan and Vader agree that Anakin is dead. Yet they don't take out Vader. <laughs> so, and they can't, obviously, because we you know we're at Star Wars. Uh, but it just feels like on its own, it's kind of like, wait, what? It's not always following its own internal logic. Um, but still, it's it's watchable. It's a fun time. And, you know, the, the prequels have earned back a lot of love. And this kind of builds on that and pulls some elements of, of the animation. And, and um, I, I, despite all of that, I would like to see them do a season two. Um, so I'll, I'll leave it there. Kofi, what do you think? Did we lose them already, Rob? No, I just oh, forgot where I put this Zencaster window. Plus, I was making notes of the insanely amount of problematic things that Rob Keys just said. And I got <laughs> lost. Go oh, expected to wrap that quickly. Um, yeah, this is an interesting conversation because I mean, I let this go on social media, but yeah, Rob Keys started the whole viral rave against Book of Boba Fett because of a spin move <laughs> in a western, which. By the way, we never got to have this conversation over Twitter, buddy, but I don't know if you've ever seen the Western genre, but a spin move wasn't so much in Star Wars. Here's just a little genre breakdown, okay? It wasn't so much that there was a spin move in Star Wars, guys. It was a Star Wars show made by a director who's, you know, Southwestern, Latin influence. He loves Westerns, and so he does a lot of Western shit. And so I don't know if you've ever seen a Western, but spinning around and shooting a guy like behind you is a very Western thing. So it's kind of, Oh, like I've seen Desperado. I've seen that move. I've seen that shot. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah, but that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah. Uh, it's funny to have these conversations because I, I mean, there is now this weird kind of gray area where we have these star Wars TV shows and, 
the entire purpose of having Star Wars TV shows is to do something deeper and explore more and kind of play more with continuity than you would in any one of these movies that are supposed to be for the masses, which people are also unhappy with right now. Um, and so you have these TV shows that are supposed to be these deeper character explorations. And we kind of sit and people just, we have people at different levels of the franchise. As Rob said, it's gotten so big and that is one of the problems, <coughs> but it is this sprawling franchise of this huge interconnected story that spans, you know, a multimedia worth of platforms. And it's at once the greatest and the biggest hindrance of star Wars. Cause as somebody who's just the second biggest star Wars expert on this, you know, podcast, I can tell you like every time you think you don't, you start mentioning something like, I wish this would happen. Or I think this should happen to star Wars. There's probably another piece of continuity. You just haven't encountered out there that might tackle this. Like even where Obi-Wan ends up is the cover of a star Wars comic that got released in like a year ago. That one of the stories that the Marvel star Wars, you know, comic tackles is Obi-Wan in that Canyon region kind of training and doing stuff, you know, and, and trying to learn more about these deeper things about the force. So, there is this whole other thing that's already set. And these TV shows are playing within canon. That's not just from the movies and has to people's like, well, you know, it ends up with, you know, a new hope, but like, yeah, but it's not just a new hope. There's so much that it's got to end up and fit with. So I get it. Like the inquisitors, you may want to see in this standalone TV show, like an arc that ends with all the inquisitors, but you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff. If you want to read a great where this all goes with the Inquisitors, read the Vader comics from Marvel. Excellent material. And there's a whole thing where the Emperor, all this stuff for the Inquisitors eventually bubbles over and Vader fucking rumbles the Inquisitors and takes them all out because they're really just Palpatine doesn't think. I mean, they're just not there to do anything. Palpatine just uses them to hunt Jedi and to fuck with Vader because they're not going to ever be real Sith Lords and Palpatine just uses them. So there's a whole other side of the franchise that, and a Star Wars nerd out there who could tell you about all this and how they're just doing brushstrokes of it in Obi-Wan. And so that's what these TV shows have become for better or for worse. They are these kind of continuity bridges between all the multimedia stuff. And they are literally pulling people out of animation and comic books that have you've never heard of. Like, I mean, a lot of people might, yeah, you all tweeted about black Kersantan once you learned how to, you know, spell the fucking hashtag. Right. But you didn't know who that was. He was black Wookiee. I wrote that article at like 3 AM and I killed it because I said black Wookiee instead of who this person's name was. And that's <laughs> all everybody searched for early. They're like black Wookiee. And so like now people think he's cool or not, or they're like, that suit was stupid. But like, Black Kersantan has a whole entire history that ties with like Dr. Afro, Dr. Afro, not Dr. I mean, Dr. Afro, not Dr. Afro, who people <laughs> also want to see. And he's a fucking awesome character with this entire awesome comic history. So like there's a lot going on in these shows and I get it. Everybody wants it to be their Star Wars, but it is a huge franchise. It's a huge multimedia franchise. In years past, it's been cool to say, I don't, I don't, I don't watch those animated shows and all that shit. I just like to go see the movies. And it's like, yeah, everybody started blowing the Mandalorian and it was like, yo, baby Yoda Mandalorian's cool. It has this vibe. And now like we're all star Wars fans. Right. And I'm not going to go over the deep end of who's a star Wars fan, because I think at this point, this, that discussion has just become, I, I feel like we're in the postmodern era of that discussion where it's just so meta and just like so crazy that every time somebody makes a statement about it, there's like, one of those infinite like faces going into somebody's eye. And then somebody else is like, no, I'm the biggest star Wars fan. So we're not going to do that. 
what I'm going to say is I think if you are, I think these shows reward you the more you invest in them and the more you're invested in the overall franchise. There was a lot of stuff that I loved about Obi-Wan because of, you know, just knowing how much they've retconned some of this history. Like Star Wars has stretched out its timeline to the point where there's two different sets of time eras from the rise of the empire years where we get the bad batch Obi-Wan and solo, a star Wars story to, you know, the rise of the rebellion and rebels and new hope, you know, and then those movies, the, the original trilogy and all of that. So, I mean, they have stretched time out so much. We fit a whole crossover event in between empire strikes back and return of the Jedi in between like the first days after empire strikes back, which was war of the bounty hunters awesome comic event suggest you read it um great stuff so like i said there's a lot that these showrunners have to know and kind of play with and in that context i think they do a good job the same way the comics are doing look star wars is a fucking mess the the movies have made a mess of things not from the original trilogy just try i mean even from the original trilogy just trying to retcon some of its own shit to the prequels trying to do shit to then whatever disney did with these sequel movies that fucked everything up in continuity to not explaining half of that shit. Like how is Palpatine back as a clone? What the fuck was Snoke? Like what's this dyad shit? Like what, you know, Ben Solo, a bunch of million questions. And so we've been doing a lot of rebuilding through these other multimedia forms. And you know what? I got to say that the makers of these TV show, I say all that to say, to bring it around to Obi-Wan. I think they're doing a fantastic job of filling in things that are resonant across so if you've been invested in the whole franchise and the more you're invested in the different multimedia things, I think the more you get out of them. I think, yeah, Book of Boba Fett looks boring on its surface because you're like, hey, when's Boba Fett going to like, you know, flamethrower somebody or when's this person on Solo going to show up? Yeah. But I think if you've watched enough of like Star Wars animation and seen Boba Fett's whole arc in like Clone Wars, I think if you've read any of the literature or the comics or stuff like that, I think it's a whole different level of something when that end scene, which in the TV show, they didn't explain it to you and be like, why the fuck should you care that this blue guy is walking up the desert and having a showdown with Boba Fett, right? Cad Bane. Yeah, yeah. What does that mean? If you just watch Book of Boba Fett like as a show, you're like, why am I in this last episode and what the fuck is this guy? Like, why does this matter? But if you're a Star Wars fan who's been there since Boba Fett was a kid and Cad Bane took him under his wing and did that whole thing of training him in the animated series and the other stories and the comic stories and all that stuff, you're like, oh, shit, dad, this is some real Oedipal daddy issue shit I'm watching right here. And you're on the edge of your seat. So I think for me, that's to say, again, as somebody who's invested in a lot of this franchise, I think Obi-Wan did a pretty good job of filling in a key piece of open space and the continuity, but making it so much more resonant and making other things around it more resonant. Like I think, you know, Obi him dragging Obi-Wan through that fire. Like, yeah, it was cool to see, but like, if you're really deeply invested in the prequels, the Darth Vader comics, and you know how much that, like that, you know, that, that whole thing about dying and the burning and the stuff sticks with Anakin and Vader for, you know, the entire time he's Vader, he's having little flashbacks and shit. You know, he had that one loaded in chamber and how powerful it is. 
that end scene with the duel is really powerful. And I think this story gets such little credit for braving fan skepticism to tell a complete story. And Moses Ingram, you know, kudos to you for playing a more complicated character. And people were just like, well, she's just angry. And it's like, no, that's a person feigning anger to look like she's angry because she wants to fucking play, you know, one of the toughest people to play, which would be Darth Vader, right? And she doesn't even end up doing it because Darth Vader is, of course, a step ahead. But like Reva was a much deeper character than we thought. And, and, you know, I think that her story and Obi-Wan's story coming together is the kind of entire point of this in saying, like, if you say, like, why didn't Obi-Wan just cut off Vader's head? Like, that's kind of missing the point of Star Wars, Obi-Wan series, and kind of the original trilogy and kind of the prequel trilogy, right? Like, the whole point of the original trilogy is Luke wins by not fighting. Like, that's the entire reoccurring theme of this whole thing. <clears throat> Sometimes you don't win by fighting. Sometimes you win by not fighting. And I get it. You're like, well, he left Vader alive. It's the whole if you kill Hitler thing. But it's the whole also larger Zen conversation and Eastern philosophy influence of Star Wars is if he didn't, you know, Obi-Wan didn't do that in that moment because that would have tarnished him in killing him and doing that. That's not what he was supposed to do as a Jedi, like just murdering people in cold blood and cutting them down. That's what Anakin did to Dooku. That was like the final test that Palpatine put him through. Right. He beat mm-hmm. this opponent, somebody who had been out in the universe, hurting a lot of people you know, did all this stuff. He could stop the threat right then, maybe end a war, but he also would just, you know, take this life in cold blood and Palpatine pushes him. And that's what Anakin does. And that's what sets him up for his fall. Right. He cuts off, he kills Dooku. Subsequently, like, yeah, that act of mercy is kind of what brings Kenobi back to himself about what his ideals as a Jedi are, like what he stands for what he communicates to Reva in the scene after that, after she doesn't kill Luke is there are two people who made the choice to do something different, not to fall like Anakin, not to do that, even when it's a hard choice in a dark time and all that stuff, you know, and you know, there's something to be said for that. There is a thematic point, whether you agree with it or not about like when things get hard, do you allow yourself to become as dark and violent as the enemy and the, and the bad people, which is a timely message if you really want to think about it. But yeah. I think it's, to the credit of the showmakers, there is a powerful story there and it gets deeper. Once you start to write lay or think about like, if Obi-Wan had done this, you know, Palpatine would have found another apprentice, maybe somebody worse. Like, would there have been a redemption arc? Would Luke, and would there have been an eventual redemption of Anakin? If, if, you know, Obi-Wan had done that. And we see that ultimately Obi-Wan comes back and he doesn't fight again. He, and it makes it more powerful when he later gets struck down and he's still okay with his decision. Right. Like yeah. he gets struck down by the guy he let live and he's okay with that. And I like that. I think there's a good thing about the Jedi in that and like, you know, not having them be these lightsaber executioners because that's kind of how they fell in the first place. So I agree. I disagree with some or a lot or most of what Rob said. I just think, I don't think you have to, I don't think you have to be, I'm not going to say like one of those Star Wars people, and there's been a long speech by me, but I don't think this is going to be one of those things where I say you have to be a Star Wars fan, you have to read it all. But I think there is something to be said that the more you invest in this franchise, the richer some of this material is, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, I, I think we don't, I 100% agree on that front, especially when you tie in, I mean, again, I'm not 
uber familiar with the comics outside of like Charles's like the f- bunch of uh, Vader stuff, and you know I read some Afra stuff and uh, all the issues regarding the Knights of Ren. I kind of read going into the films, but um, with the Vader thing, I, I think I agree in 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 the thematically. But to me, the thing is like we saw Obi Wan make that choice kind of already in Revenge, right? Where he chose he didn't finish Vader off, even though he assumed. Uh, Anakin would die in that moment. So to me, it was kind of like, just repeat that moment, sort of, because we have, we can't kill Vader. We know he's alive in episode four. So, but other than that, you're right. Um, I do agree on that. Uh, Ben, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, largely, I, I think I fall somewhere kind of, I probably fall somewhere kind of in the middle of you guys with this thing, because I, I mean, I have engaged with, and for a long time was a big proponent of like the Clone Wars series and stuff. I think, you know, Kofi and and probably Rob and I as well, like we're all sort of shouting that out, you know, a decade ago when no one was like paying attention to it and just thought it was some stupid kid thing or something. Um, so I feel like I have invested a lot and I do agree with that point that there is a whole multi platform, multimedia universe that, that fills in a lot of these gaps and makes me appreciate things more, um, you know, like fallen like fallen order or whatever was like a great video game and like unleashed like i played those video games and like you know rob saying that scene of darth vader pulling down the escape ship is straight out of you know something that happens in in the force unleashed games and everything so i definitely agree that there's a lot of fan service and the more you invest in star wars the more you're going to get out of these, out of these shows. I think where I, I think the only part that I sort of differ on is just like, I do feel like there is some still some kind of clunky execution here with the creators of these shows, trying to maybe thread that line. Um, And that's where it gets a bit, a bit, you know, a bit gunky for me, even though I agree that I could go read the comics and sort of understand what happens with the inquisitors and play some of the games and things like that they were heavily featured in the beginning of this series and then they kind of evaporate for the most part and they make way for a bigger and better story. So there's kind of a question in my mind of like, why did we even spend so much time? But guys, like some of this just kind of does work itself out. And I think you're overthinking it. The inquisitors are Palpatine's like pawns They're If you're trying to make us a chess analogy, their job is to suss out Jedi kill them if they can but like if this story is about obi-wan they were never going to send the inquisitors after obi-wan the whole thing is about and this is why i love episode five as one of the best pieces of star wars content period i have ever seen the one with the that's the duel right the flashback duel like that's the whole point is him trying to train anakin like your kind of aggression and kind of obsession and single-mindedness and like that's going to always be your weakness if you let it. And they were never going to send all the Inquisitors after Vader. It was, or after Obi-Wan, it, that was, once he blipped onto the picture, it was always going to switch to being Vader. And I think that's yeah. one of the smartest switches they made, because that's not how it was in the beginning. They were taking the safe route. It was going to be Obi-Wan kind of running around the galaxy, dealing with Inquisitors and these lesser bosses, right? Yeah. And you were going to have this, and they switched it, and were like, fuck this, we got to put Vader in this, like... And yeah. thank God they did, because I'd be grossly unhappy if this was just all an Inquisitor story. And like, no, I agree. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. Yeah, I like, think no, but I think like, yeah. And so I understand the transition and they and they kind of tied it off the continuity by bringing the Grand Inquisitor back and saying, OK, we didn't fall for Reva's stunt. 
and all of yeah. that and kicking her out and doing that. But no, I mean, I never thought they should stay with the Inquisitors. I mean, it, it was pretty tight. Like they sent one Inquisitor. That's what they always do. They send one to Max <laughs> to go handle yeah. the situation. And when she figured out it was Obi-Wan, you know, then Vader took over. It I feel much like it's cool to me. So let's set, let's set this one aside and talk about the thing you mentioned earlier about Cad Bane. Cause I think that is, I think maybe that's an even better example of kind of where I, where I, I feel like threading that needle is, is tough because there is all of this amazing backstory between them that was established in, in the Clone Wars series. And that isn't, but that ultimately doesn't end up being really addressed or referenced in their interaction. And so I guess, I mean, you could say, you know, there's sort of a simplicity to where their relationship is at, at this point, because they haven't talked to each other in a long time, but it's like, I feel like they have to dumb some of this stuff down so that you're not, so that the audience that hasn't participated in those things don't go, well, like, where does this guy come from? And feel oh, like they're missing you, out on something. Yeah, you're No doubt. You are correct. I mean, I think, like I said, the biggest and best thing about star Wars and its biggest hindrance is all at once. The fact that like it I is, am. Fair. This big, yeah. sprawling, interconnected franchise that is so rich and dense with these dense co- characters and arcs and themes and connections and relationships that span now decades and in some cases yeah. lifetimes like of certain characters. Yeah. And like, yeah, I mean, you can't serve all these masters. I mean, that's where Disney went kind of schizo with the last like with the with the <laughs> last two films. Right. Yeah. The safe one with Force Awakens. That was just, that was reason, real easy, safe dip back into the pool. But then they tried to do stuff for the two ones and they couldn't agree like which direction to go. I don't criticize, I mean, nobody really loves the rise of Skywalker. I've never met anybody who's willing to die on that sword. I'm sure in 10 years there'll be people who are like form a cult about how great it is. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I think the biggest thing that I still can't believe is just the dichotomy between like what happened between Last Jedi and rise of skywalker oh yeah Yeah, where the studio clearly had like an aneurysm and couldn't like decide (laughs) what the fuck to do like with this series right like in which direction to go and what to make and like and then they just tried to pave over their bad like their regret with you know ryan johnson (laughs) which i don't think they should have done i'm a last person who likes last jedi and rogue one and solo but you know they just decided they were going to try to pave over it. And you had this insane third film that was just still one of the most insultingly, like just passive aggressive towards the previous director. Like yeah. just to be it's like, yeah, 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 I got screwed it up. Yeah. We're not doing that no more. Yeah. Like, and never did really anything. And so like, yeah, I think star Wars, I'm not as much as I love star Wars, I will be the first to admit trying to serve all these masters is in some way pulling it apart. And is my sales pitch for why you guys should just go out and read and experience the High Republic because there's something blessedly just so uncomplicated and untainted about that series. It's just kind just of because it's like so disconnected from like all the yeah. other stuff. I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that's the that's the problem you guys are touching on. And what you said too about Cad Bane is true. It's like they feel an obligation to bring in these like for fans of the animated series who spent years with some of these characters, that they're kind of iconic characters. They are on the same level as some of these, you know, characters we love from the films, but in the show, they don't, ah, I'm of two minds. It's cool to see them, I guess, but like, is it worth it? If you're just going to get them for a scene and they kill them off or a scene and they disappear, it's like, they don't need yeah, to they do don't reference. I, I almost wish like, yeah. what, do we have to, does it, does it need to be young Leia 
and and <laughs> no one's protecting I, her. I think it have to be the Inquisitors for a second. Does it have to be Vader again? I get it. They're, it just feels like they're doing big, big nods because they can, and, and some yeah. will love it. But it's like I almost wish they just didn't. Like I almost wish they just did something completely. They're different. hitting the Marvel thing where it, it was cool as a novelty at first. Yeah. Sure. Like it's cool to see Boba Fett. I mean, Mandalorian went a little crazy, but it was cool to have a string of episodes where we got Bo-Katan Kreese and then Ahsoka and then Boba Fett yeah. and then Luke, you know. And, it's a bit much, know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was all like the last five episodes of season two totally. of The Mandalorian. But, yeah. you know, but then the book of Boba Fett starts pulling in like, okay, you're like, oh, Black Chrysanthemum's in here. And then some other people are getting pulled in. And then, like, now we got young Leia. And it's just like, and, you know, Book of Boba Fett takes a detour for a story about Grogu and an episode about Mando. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, some of this is getting a little scatterbrained. But and here's I'm getting to the point where Andor better be about fucking Andor or I might spaz. Because yeah. Tell me it's about Andor. And then two episodes are a solo story sequel. Like, I'm just going to be like, I, I've waited for this, but I'm still angry about it. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. That's the beauty of that, man. Because Gilroy doesn't give a shit about Star Wars. He just wants to tell his own like little war stories, which is why when he came in to take over Rogue One, he just he saw it. I was like, this is a Battle of Britain film. It's not about all his connections. And I'm sure they had to force in the whole Vader, which is an awesome scene, by the way, like the, the Vader uh, hallway scene at the end there and ties in nicely. Yeah. But I, I, that's, why my, that's my favorite Disney Star Wars film. And I, Andor is by far my most anticipated thing because that tone trailer they released is just like, here's real places. Real people lived in these places, and it's like about this guy, the spy, just getting into it. And it's like, I, I hope it just has no connections to Jedi and the Force and lightsabers and all these characters we know. I really, really hope, and I, I think that's the one that's going to really fulfill the promise. Like the, these Star Wars shows, they have the chance to veer off, tell new stories that aren't tied to, together. But so far, in your example of Mando season two, half that season became a launch pad for spinoffs or the return of characters in live action, which I, I kind of get because it's a huge success. And from a business standpoint, they want to set up all these things, but it's like, we don't need to tell Skywalker stories, guys. That's that's leave it alone. And it's, well, I, I think really- star Wars is still going through a growing pain. I mean, and you know, it's never had to do something that Marvel's had to kind of had to learn. And we reference it. We were there like people. Now I hear talk about marvel like as god but we were there for the ugliness of phase one <laughs> yeah. oh yeah that shit was chaotic yeah yeah he knows yeah. we're not kevin feige's best days like he had a lot of learning he had to do on the fly about you know how to be the person he is now the architect and still work with like director talent where you could pull people in where you couldn't like now nah, you can't pull a joe johnston a kenneth brana in like those people have their own ways of doing things they want to make their own films you got to find people who are trying to make the jump like the Russo brothers, right? Like TV guys yeah. who, and that's what Marvel smartly learned, but star Wars is kind of the same way. Everything's just been star Wars. Right. And that's its own brand. But like, yeah, they got to start varying up things. Like certain things should be, then do more genre blends, like just outright genre blends. Like, yes, Cassian should be more like a Tom Clancy novel in a star Wars setting. And it shouldn't be like anything else in Star Wars. And we don't need to pull any crazy characters for the comics for that one. Like this other show over here. Like, yeah, I, I mean, it makes sense in like a book of Boba Fett. I wish that it had more people. Like I wish they had gotten like a Han Solo somehow in there or some other crazy people or Dr. Afra Cause she's like a nuts crook too, but yeah, they got to blend. They got to mix it up and do different things. Like, I don't want to keep, like I said, I feel like there's a formula right now and I'm just getting 
that's going to get tiring, right? Like if every Star Wars yeah. TV show, like, yeah, if episode three is like, again, we just go to a Jin Orso episode. She's never going to meet Cassie yet, but we just want to see what she's up to for an episode, you know? Yeah. I'm going to pull my hair I think out. Your description of, I've been waiting to see that, but I'd also be mad, I think is kind of how I feel about some of this stuff. And I think it it encapsulates, I think, where that frustration kind of comes from, which is like, of of course I want to see, you know, Anakin and, and, and at the end of this series, like I, I feel like came together just fine. So I don't, I don't have any real negative things to say about, you know, ultimately the journey that we went on with Obi-Wan, I believe was worth it. I enjoyed the majority of it. I think it was, you know, clunky at times, but it kind of pulled itself together by the end and said something profound enough about, about those two characters and, and kind of why Obi-Wan had ended up where he was. But I do think there are, there have been a significant amount of moments throughout a lot of the star Wars TV series in particular, where of course I want to go see, you know, the temple that, you know, Luke at the temple, getting, getting that all built up and getting ready to teach students and teaching Grogu. Of course I want to see that. But then when I think back on it, kind of like but i don't really like the way that all that went down and it was kind of a cop-out that it happens kind of in the middle of a boba fett series and i think that uh that sentiment is why so many people i think are torn about it i'll say at least you know level-headed people that are are kind of trying to process it the way the three of us are i think um because there are a lot of people who are just being stupid about and very you know, very protectionist about Star Wars as if they're true fans and other people can't like things. Like, none of that is why I'm, you know, saying the things that I'm saying. I want everybody to like everything or, you know, to participate in as much of it as they can. And everybody should be able to disagree about when they don't like something. And that doesn't make them any less of a Star Wars fan. But I think the argument coming from a lot of us that have been with this for a while is kind of like, yeah, man, I've, of course I wanted to see Cad Bane face off against an older Boba Fett but was that the way I want to see it go down? And did that fulfill everything that I wanted out of that interaction that I knew was in subtext and, you know, could have maybe been referenced in a way that drew on all that history that I know. I don't know that that was it. And that kind of makes me mad, even though I was excited to see it. I don't know, man. They're bounty hunters. They're professionals. They wouldn't be having a heart to hark about their father, son (laughs) background. They had started doing that. I'd been like, yo, turn this shit off. Like, (laughs) yeah, that's fair. But I get what you're saying, but no, I mean, yeah. Not to like, you know, crap on my own point, but yeah, I mean, I do agree with you. Um, yeah. Is he even <laughs> Cat Bane's going to come back though, right? He's just no yeah, yeah, he's not dead. You, you can't kill characters <laughs> like that. We just saw what happens when you get stabbed with a lightsaber <laughs> twice. Yeah, if they killed Cat Bane, and I, I think a lot of people assumed they had, but if they killed him in that in such a like punk way, it would have been would have definitely. No, been. That's one of those things where they, you say, "Why'd you bring this guy back?" Yeah, <laughs> like, the, the real rule of star Wars is like, you just keep your options open because yeah. there may be a business reason to bring that character back. <laughs> What's their, yeah. I mean, people have been cut in half and sent down the wig shafts or like thrown into reactors that blew up, you know, oh, no like problem. minutes later. No problem. And, yeah, <laughs> they'll find a way to bring that guy back. Yeah. yeah. If you fall down something, you're guaranteed to live for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or any sort of stomach based wound. Oh, uh, I did want to, I was just curious, like, cause you guys have both kind of, commented on obi-wan's pacing so i just want to go around the room and see like six episodes i just want to kind of see like what you guys thought breakdown by episode um i'll go first i thought i actually really liked episode one i liked that was kind of like what i had signed on for mostly was i yeah. thought i was going to sign on more of a joker 
I heard Deborah Chow saying it was more like Joker. And that's what I kind of signed on for was like Obi-Wan trying to go through normal, quote unquote, his new normal life. But, you know, over over time, just seeing too much and finally having it bubble up and having to do something about it was something I signed on for. And the first episode I thought did good. I thought episode two was trash. I thought it was absolute trash. I made no qualms about it. I said that was some green screen bullshit with that whole chasing Leia, that non what's my boy, uh, Zeno or whatever his name is that didn't turn out to be. Yeah. No, yeah. him and his uh, the the two bounty hunters I love from the bounty hunters comic series. Oh, I'm blanking on their names, yeah. and they're not popular. That's why I don't remember their names. Um, but yeah, that wasn't them. It was just random bug looking guy and stuff. And yeah. like, yeah, it was just a. Ter- I didn't like that episode. I thought episode three was good. I thought episode four was a filler episode, but they did a nice job with it. Um, yeah. You know, long hallways, starring COVID precautions. Like, I got it the whole rescue mission. And I thought five and six were great. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, the only real low point of me for Obi-Wan where I wasn't entertained week to week was episode two, which ones I was scared after episode two. I was, I'll be the first you know, to say. Go ahead, Rob. I'll let you go. I'll say, I think that's a really good episode to episode. I think I agree with you. I, I think I'll be more negative in episode one as well. One and two back to back really had me worried. Um, I, I, I'm very nitpicky with this stuff because it's my problem with The Last Jedi too. Is like not people have all these problems with like the decisions Ryan Johnson made. That was never my issue with The Last Jedi. It was like the logistics of the battles was driving me crazy. And was it episode three or four, Kofi, with the water base and the rescue and they get out and he, he's hiding that's Leia four. under his jacket. Yeah, that that's one. four. That's what he was saying. Oh my, hallway, some cool designs. Yeah, yeah I, I wish there's a lot of, I'm sure you've seen it on Twitter and articles comparing like the visual layout and designs of like, uh, the waterways and that and, and that base, what it looks like in the games versus and, and the oh, comic right, yeah. versus, and it's like very dull looking and without detail. I, I didn't mind that though. I thought it, it was kind of neat to see that and their explanation of why it's designed that way kind of works. I love seeing that kind of like creepy vault, the the the, the fallen Jedi in there. That's oh, that yeah. kind of worked for me, right? And the water really uh, coming into the crack window. Cool, cool, cool. But man, the end of that thing where he's hiding Leia in his jacket and he's just walking through this empty. <laughs> the problem with the show is like extras standing around doing fucking nothing. It's like to the nth degree. Um, so that was hilarious. And then, but the the clown car moment where they have these airspeeders come in to save the day, and they fly in a way that doesn't make sense for how these things are designed. Or, you know, if you could just hover one of these things, that Hoth battle would have been very different a couple of years later. Uh, but the real problem is like these things carry like one or if they're modified, they carry two people and they fit three adults and a kid in the backseat of this tiny ass little speeder. It's like it's, like, it's literally a clown car moment. And that's why you never get to see a shot of them getting in or what it looks like inside that vehicle because they'd be like squished, <laughs> like tuna squished into a can. But So those kind of moments drive me fucking crazy because it's like, man, you put so much work into this episode. Then you have to bring in this one little chip only because we remember it from Hoth and you, and you just – you don't follow the, the 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 canon of what that thing is. That ship carries two people, not four. Um, so that is my gripe with that oh, episode. Settle down, nerd. No, man, no, you, fuck, <laughs> you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't put ten people in the next oh wing. My God, they don't fit. I think, I think there's. A, so I I uh, I think I do. I also I think agree for the most part with your with your rankings, Kofi. And I I sort of I don't know. I feel like I've broken record here because I think with episode one is probably the only one that. I because there was a lot that I liked about episode one um, and I did like the repetition of him kind of avoiding these, you know, these situations where he could make a difference because he's just sort of 
resigned himself to being this kind of protector of Luke that's hiding in the background and, you know, isn't really going to get involved in anything no matter how bad it gets. You know, him every day, he's, you know, he's like packaging up his little snack to take home, like all of that stuff I thought worked really well. But then you, it did, you know, when Leia is like, getting kidnapped in that episode initially we have you know we have these guys kind of running into trees and it's like it's nitpicky stuff for sure but it definitely kind of to me you know it well, undermines that's ruins it, right it's not the shiny cinematic yeah. thing anymore it becomes just like that th- that is cheap shitty execution and it ruins yeah. like the emotion i don't care anymore it's laughable and that's kind of where it falls apart for me it's what you said at the very beginning it's the execution of it the idea yeah. of these bounty hunters that come in and they're nods to the comics and they steal layout. That makes sense. But when they actually make that scene, and sometimes they do a horrendous job, I think. Um, yeah. And that really, it's a bummer because it shouldn't be, it brings it down a couple notches and it doesn't have to be. It could be so much and better, it, you know? Yeah. And it is weird because it, it really, I think, you know, and Kofi, you're going to hate this because it is nitpicking. It's like, I think part of the reason that I lost confidence in it early on was just some of those kind of goofy choices. And it was sort of like, man, you know, was there not someone around? who thought it was going to be sort of ridiculous for like Leia to be hidden under a cloak walking through a military facility or something, you know, like it's nitpicky for sure. I will full on admit that, but it's kind of like the show wants you to take these emotional situations really seriously. And I don't know that it did kind of the, like the quirky comedy of some of the original Star Wars films, the way that (laughs) tell me, (laughs) tell me the one fucking Star Wars escape plan. That's like a Brian De Palma film. Go. <laughs> I'll wait. Yeah, it's Explain true. I mean, to it's me true. the good escape plan we've seen. It's I, and I don't disagree with that. I understand there's like a double standard here because Star Some Wars of this is, shit is kind silly. Of That's obviously silly Star Wars. They didn't think yeah. this was like a funny, like or good thing they were actually pulling off. The sight of the man and Obi Wan and the young girl in the cloak. It's it's, it's campy, fucking silly yeah. Star Wars, guys. Do you think it's do you think it's executed well though as campy star? That's I guess what I kind of don't. I feel like it. I feel like they think it's better than it comes across though. Even if it is I intended, it to looks be funny campy. and ridiculous. And I didn't like it. Didn't I? Don't get hung up on these things. Like yeah, I, I feel like I'm picking. On, sounds like I'm picking him up. But like I'm just using him as an example. But like one spin move that I thought was stupid <laughs> is not going to ruin the whole thing for me. I'm just gonna be right. Like, Man, and I'll say for the stupid <laughs> fifth <laughs> time. I'll say for the fifth time that is not my problem with the show. <laughs> like that's just a, an example of across the board execution and action in that series. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. have seen every Rob Rodriguez thing, and I have seen every Sergio Leone film. In fact, I talked about it all of those films and all those old. Uh, uh, Westerns on our an old podcast we used to do together. So if any yeah. of you out there looking, go back. I talk about a lot of old Westerns there. Um, I was a DVD collector at the time, but uh, no, no, that, that that's 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 just one ridiculous moment in in that whole series. They, across the board, Boba Fett didn't didn't work for me. And uh, yeah, we're being nitpicky, nitpicky, but it's like the you know quality of the action scene, or especially an emotional scene where a kid is being kidnapped or whatever. Yeah, to me, it matters. So like, it's, I just it bothers me. Can and, I just remind you, people? That at the highest point of Star Wars TV making, we had an extra standing in the fucking background of an of an action scene. <laughs> oh, totally, and don't forget, man. There's yeah, a that's high execution. According to most people, that was high execution Star Wars right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, get sloppy um, all around, man. But but uh, yeah, I I do agree that it kind of it really you know in spite of some of these things that may have been hangups for Rob and I, I do think it came together, and I do think that by the end of it, when you cleared away 
you know, some of the kind of extemporaneous stuff to really get at this, this core conflict between these two characters. And I'm with you, Kobe, like I'm, I'm definitely very glad that they honed in on, you know, they got Hayden Christensen back and they delivered, you know, they delivered this sort of like, you know, Vader coming back into his life and them, them having these different interactions, because I think we will look back on a lot of that. And as you said, it fills in gaps and it, it makes the story richer and it makes things like the Vader comic more interesting. And it makes, you know, a new hope more interesting sort of retroactively, which I think is the most successful thing any of these things can ever do is make things that we loved more interesting, not less interesting. And I think when you see those two duel in a new hope now, you know, they tied that all together well enough that it makes sense now why, you know, he's referring to him as Vader as opposed to Anakin. And it makes sense why he kind of surrenders himself to become more, more powerful because he's not going to kill him. He's going to, you know, he's going to play the pacifist again because that's what they've done in their other two interactions. So yeah, uh, agree. I agree. Oh, sorry, Ben. I didn't mean to cut you off, but no, you're so, good. Yeah. that also fits within the canon of the show. And I remember the, the, after the first episode or two, there were a lot of people complaining about uh, Moses, Moses' character as, as Reva. Like, well, why is she so evil? It's over the top. And it's like the final episodes, we knew like she was one of the younglings for sure, but we didn't quite know what her plan was. Um, and you know, the, the last two episodes really pay off some of the crazy things you see in the first two episodes. So upon rewatch, I'm sure this will play hell, hell of a lot better um, from front, front to end. So, that part of it works better as well. Uh, yeah, I want to, and I would definitely be down for a Reva spinoff now, right? Like, I mean, I think we even kind of made fun of that portrayal like a little bit early on as being just, you know, a lot of shouting and a lot of... Like cutting people's hands off. It's like, oh my gosh, yeah, she's like... Was, like very, <laughs> yeah, over the top. But <laughs> yeah. I mean, now, like that character has gone on a journey that I, I found to be valuable and and interesting because, you know, we've never really had like one of the younglings presented in a way where it's like, what well, would that, how traumatic would have that, would that have been to have one of your great heroes show up and just like slaughter all of your friends and your masters and stuff. Totally. And like if you survive that, like what would you go on to become? And like, this feels like a relatively authentic, you know, thing that her interaction with Obi-Wan kind of pulled her back from the brink a little bit. And now she can go on to be like a pretty interesting and kind of gray you know, morally gray kind of character within the universe. Um, Wait, and finally, very yeah, and it's finally a character they weren't tied down. They, they, they could do whatever they want with that character because she, we didn't know where she was going to go. She's not in Rebels. Like, yeah. we don't know what's going to happen. All the other characters, you kind of, we know their destinies from all the extra material, right? For her, it's like they finally are doing, again, they're finally fulfilling the promise. Okay, we can do other things, bring in new characters and do something totally different because we have no idea when Reva comes back what she's going to be doing. And they finally yeah. have a, a character they can kind of just go wild with. Dude, they're a force-using warrior, and they don't have a clear path. They belong in the Ahsoka sandbox. There yeah, you go. no kidding. I, there you go. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that I think we all loved about Ahsoka so much, right? Is her walking away, and she's just like, I just don't fit this Jedi bullshit, because, you know, this is, this is like a religion that's getting in the way of being the best version of myself and stuff. Like, I think characters like that that don't fit in that box are are some of the most interesting um the ones that are sort of floating around the universe i agree um yeah so that's interesting you could foil to ahsoka in a way because of how the ahsoka story played out at the end of uh clone wars like why she left made sense and helped explain why anakin felt the way he did like it helped really set up that development and yeah. she's like the opposite she was like a survivor what anakin did so that would be very 
Yeah, that would be two cool. cool characters. Yeah, that's cool. yeah for sure. Um, okay, so what? Uh, so we've kind of you know we've gone through how we feel about this. You guys have talked about Andor. Um, what other of the upcoming series then are you most optimistic or interested in? Because some of these things fall pretty square in what you know we have already kind of identified as maybe in the mold of some of the things that we didn't like quite as much. Um, I'm going to say the Acolyte, High Republic's yeah, that dope, and it's the that one project cool. that's most disconnected from anything else around it. It's yeah. of the High Republic, but it's at the very end. The High Republic is two years, 200 years long, and yeah. like we are, the books and comics are set like in the prime of it, but like the Acolyte is at the end of it. It's kind of more close to the time period of the Skywalker saga. So I'm very curious as to what they're doing with that because it's kind of high Republic, but kind of not. And so like, yeah. I'm, v- and it's going to be obviously something more about it's already seems like it's going to be more something about a dark side user. And so I'm very curious about like what that series is going to be. And I think that has yeah. the potential to be the best because again, it's the most disconnected from anything else around it, except for possibly leading into shit that sets up the helps nudge us towards the Skywalker saga, but probably not like ending on, you know, day one of Phantom Menace. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh that was gonna be mine. So <laughs> I'm also excited for the Ahsoka series just because I, I really do love that oh, character. Yeah. And I think I mean you know, I got stuff from Rebels I need to finish. And we're getting a live action Sabine Wren, which I'm all about. Yeah, probably okay. live action Re- Ezra and Arrow. long overdue yep. live action Thrawn. Yeah. Uh yeah, yeah that's that's the biggest get if they bring in Ezra and we get Hera back. The, the whole ghost crew minus uh, our man Kane in there. That'd be sweet. Um, yeah, I mean, Acolyte's yeah. cool because it's different. I am, I think the more we get away from lightsaber users, as much as I fucking love lightsaber users in the forest, like yeah, I own a bunch of lightsaber toys, like uh, <laughs> the better. So, like, for me, I'm just, just to be different, I'll, I'll say Londo because, like, uh, I, like Kofi mentioned earlier, I really, really like the anthology movies they did. I was hoping they would do more of those. I think they learned the wrong, the wrong lessons from those. Because yeah. to me, Londo and Rogue One are superior than the saga films. Um, and uh, I'd love to see Londo come back and give Alden a chance to come back too at some point. If that leads into that, that would be cool. But um, yeah, yeah, I'd love to see them just doing that crime shit. Get away from all those Force stuff. And, uh, what the you know. F- like- what the fuck was Kathleen Kennedy talking about? How the biggest mistake of Solo was trying to recast on Solo or whatever, and then they like put a Leia that basically stole three quarters of the scenes that she was yeah, in she, in the series. Like, I don't, do not understand how she could have it, possibly thought that she, was the problem. With her credit, she speaks off the cuff and honestly, too honestly sometimes. Um, yeah, she walked that back quite a bit at Celebration <laughs> on stage and during <laughs> interviews uh, because obviously she was saying that in the midst of launching an Obi Wan show where they recast. The you know, Obi-Wan was not Alec Guinness, right? So, I mean, across the board, they were recasting these characters. Um, yeah, and using AI voices for some characters in some cases. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah I, that was weird. She, she said, she, I don't know how serious she is. She kind of said she likes Alden. You know, maybe there's some chance he comes back. But, uh, yeah, that was a definitely a poor <laughs> quote on its own, for sure. Yeah. Um- all right. Well, cool. What has been then, and this is, we'll, we'll sort of finish off with this for the Star Wars. And then I think I'm just going to ask you guys one question because there was something funny that happened on Twitter today that uh, I want your take on. So um, what has been your favorite Star Wars? Um, like if you could recommend one non-movie thing 
that fans may have been unlikely to have seen or participated in at this point, what would you recommend? So, Kofi, there's a lot of comics that you've been talking about, or, you know, you could talk about one of these shows. Um, but what is the one thing that you would press people to see that isn't like one of the movies, basically, at this point? Is it, sorry, just to clarify, is it any part of Star Wars medium? Like, it could be comic, whatever? Like yeah, anything? yeah, yeah. Anything, right. basically anything that helps expand out their appreciation oh. of the universe. I would say, um, yeah, I would say everything that's not the TV and movies. I mean, I would lean you towards, I mean, during the pandemic lockdowns, I kind of escaped into Star Wars media and the books and the comics are fantastic. If you want an easy roadmap, if you're just a casual fan, if you're familiar with the franchise and, you know, you watch a lot of the movies and you love that, read all of the Marvel Comics Darth Vader series starting from like the mid to early 2010s to mid 2010s. Like they're all in trade. They're all collected in editions and they're all just fucking excellent. You don't think a guy who hardly speaks in a, in a full body of armor and a mask can be interesting as a central character. You are dead wrong. They are a Vader comic creators understand the kind of ironic humor of working with Darth Vader, which is having this incredibly nonverbal stoic stoic character. Who's also very psychotic kind of, be the straight man while everybody else reacts to him around him like holy shit <laughs> and that's the fun of vader comics it's it's everybody else around him trying to just stay alive while this guy's around right um and they're excellent that will easily lead you into dr afro because dr afro spins out of the vader comics and dr afro is the indiana jones of star wars and the longer they wait to get this character in a live action the more they're just fucking up the bag really because Dr. Afra's amazing. So those two things held me down like for lockdown and entertain me more than any, like most star Wars content I've experienced in years. And so, yeah, those comics are great. And uh, if you want a long-term project, jump into the high Republic. It's good stuff. Those novels are fun. The main novels for the adults, you can follow that thread and it's a lot of fun. Awesome. Uh, Rob, any recommendations? Yeah, I mean, I think one of my uh, one of my all time favorite Star Wars things, but also favorite video games, is Knights of the Old Republic, the first one. If you have the great fortune of never having been spoiled by that, like, it's such a wild and awesome experience. So, um, Knights of the Old Republic. There's also a sequel, but the first one's like the is the story. Like, definitely do that, and it's set like what ten thousand years or something before like the saga. So. Uh, thousands of years before the High Republic books. Uh, and I have a second answer too. So because Rogue One is my favorite Disney Star Wars, I'd also recommend the novel Catalyst. Uh, I think what's his name? James Lucino wrote that. And I read this book just before seeing Rogue One and it it's awesome. It's like, you know, Rogue One ends right where A New Hope begins. Catalyst is like the moment to moment lead up to uh, Rogue One. So it sets up like, you know, Ben Mendelsohn's Krennic. You understand like his real long-term relationship with uh, Galen Erso, Mads Mikkelsen's characters, and like the, the crystals and all the politics and craziness between Tarkin and, and them uh, building the Death Star, what went into that, and how that ties into like the um, – what do you call those dudes from um, Attack of the Clones, the uh, the flying guys in that planet? The Geonosians? What do you call those guys? Oh, yeah, the Geonosians. Yeah, good yeah, call. Yeah. So they, they kind of use them and they kind of like sacrifice thousands of them to build – the first stages of the Death Star. It's like really, really cool how they do that. And that relationship is really played up in a big, big way. And there's a little nods to like young Ben Solo and stuff like that too, here and there too. So um, that I really, really enjoyed that book as a lead up to Rogue One. So it helps complete the, that part of the saga. You were saying Rebel Rising. That's what you're saying? Catalyst. Which one were you saying? 
Okay, Catalyst. So, like, I had read Rebel Rising, and I really liked that Love. one. That was one of the ones that I was going to recommend, which is also a prequel to Rogue One. Cool. Um, which kind of does a lot with basically the relationship between Urso and, and her father. So that's why I, I thought for a second maybe we were talking about the same thing. Uh, the other thing no, I really no, done, no. Her daughter's yeah, barely in this, to be honest. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, this is more about – it's more about Jin Urso than it is uh, – than it goes before that. So um, – and then I also really like the Ahsoka novel as well. Um, that – uh. That's pretty great too. But the, um, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, those are things I'd recommend. I, I know we've talked a million times before about how, you know, people should watch the Clone Wars and Rebels and maybe we sound like broken records, but I feel like I still run into a lot of people, you know, that are fans of, of Screen Rant or, you know, followed us for a while that just like have not made the time to do that. And I don't know how I can stress enough, like how important that is, especially if you're excited for things like, you know, the Ahsoka show or, um, you know, some of the other things that are, they're kind of coming through the pipeline. Like the bad batch has become one of my favorite star Wars shows. Yeah. And, and it's just like, you know, like I can't imagine enjoying the bad batch as much as I do without having had some history with some of those characters in clone wars and, and also just kind of that style and the way that the way that sort of episode arcs are paced and everything in, in the bad batch are really similar to those. So that's I you know I know it's something that's maybe more obvious to people at this point to recommend, but you know if you guys like need recommendations for how to get into that, just like tweet at us because I'm sure there are, there are ways that we can you know tempt you in with a couple like episodes that we think are really good and then tell you to go back from the beginning because it, I, it's you know. it's it's pretty crucial too. Lucasfilm is still pushing it. Good on them. They did the extra season of Clone Wars, then which launched Bad Batch, and they, Bad Batch season two is coming up real soon. So, uh, yeah. pretty, it's, if you're a fan of any of the stuff these characters are seeing in the, in the live action shows now, it's especially some of these Mandalorians you're meeting in the Mandalorian. So like pretty crucial stuff to watch these shows. I think at this point, yeah, yeah. Uh, 100%. Uh, okay. So that kind of wraps up. Okay. Last question I have for you guys of the shows, which one, do you <laughs> like the, which one did you like the most of the Disney plus era of star Wars television? Well, Just not quickly. to answer your question with a question, but which one made you finally care about all those dead people on Alderaan? <laughs> Fair. I, I did have that thought while I was watching Obi-Wan. I was like, man, this sucks <laughs> for these people. Like you're meeting the well, everybody. You, know, meeting... you see everybody who get life in Obi-Wan who's going to die. Owen and Lars, like, Owen and Baru get years fried. Yeah, Alderaan yeah, gets true. torched. All these people pay the price, baby. Yeah, Uncle Owen and we didn't talk about that. But man, like they were they were scrappy people at one point. huh? Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that was cool. It was pretty cool. Bring them yeah, back with smart. Um, yeah, I like that too. I don't know. My cop out answer is the animated stuff, like Bad Batch. Which one of you gave you the ultimate beat, like burn meme for the next two years? <laughs> <laughs> this is a good criteria. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Kofi's favorite was Obi Wan. I no, I mean it's it's an, this isn't really a question. I mean, if we're talking, are we talking live action Star Wars TV? Disney Plus. Stuff? I think I think we I think we have to talk live action just because okay. the we're all a suckers for the animated stuff and I yeah, feel like the Clone Wars six would be easy. I mean that's yeah, easy yeah, win. For but sure. uh, for live action, I mean I, I just don't think it it would be Mandalorian season one or two for me. I'd, I'd have to yeah, go back yeah. and really sit. I think season one because it was just in the yeah I started rewatching that with my son. It was it's the purest one just because it was for a minute there just kind of detached in its own new it's branch insane. of Star Wars. Yeah. It was very much a western. And like more so than we've ever seen Star Wars be a Western. It was a gunslinger tale, spaghetti Western. And, uh, and it was just 
simple except you I mean you had Bryce Dallas Howard had one boom Mike in and the world lost its mind but like other than that <laughs> like that was a pretty tight season too um, yeah and yeah so I'd have to say Mando season one it was all simple yep, yep. Rob yeah that's yeah I might say Mando season two to be uh to be a little yeah I think so Mando season two is the one for me I think Interesting. I would, yeah, I, I feel this was a dumb question in hindsight because I think, I think the Mandalorian steps out as kind of a, as a unique sort of moment in, in the franchise uh, for everybody. Cause it, it drew a lot of people in. And I think, I think that's a reflection of how good that story was as kind of a standalone, a standalone thing. And so for me, it probably is season one of the Mandalorian, but I will say out of the other ones, this one, Obi-Wan Kenobi, probably it probably snuck up on me as as my second favorite, at least. Maybe even more than season two of The Mandalorian. But I think this will go down as the most iconic. And when I say iconic in Star Wars, I mean the things we'll see replayed, the images that'll last the yeah. most. I think Deborah Chow was the best director overall in terms of just yeah. putting in things that like like I said, like that scene between for if you even if you start it was all a mess. That that duel, that final duel between Obi Wan and Vader, is going down as yeah, iconic, um, especially just the lights when they're having the conversation and it's a close up of their two faces. Yeah, when it's cracking on Vader's helmet, the two voices that's like that's already yeah. cemented as part of Star Wars iconography. You're gonna see that shit in every like. Let's look back at the last forty years of Star Wars shit. Like that moment's already in there. Yeah, um, the star like the Star Killer ripping the ship out of the air. The, yeah. there's a million shots of Obi-Wan that they shot in the desert that were just like you and McGregor that were just now already going to be iconic. Just the last hello yeah. there to the force coast, uh, yeah. <laughs> Vader whipping fucking force grabbing to the second lightsaber when he's fighting Reva and, and then fucking going full Ahsoka style with two in his hand. Like there's a lot actually in the show that was just so well yeah. shot. Even that fourth episode that we rag on a little bit, like him swimming in the water and all that shit was just so well put yeah. together that I think Obi-Wan kind of just takes the cake for being having the kind of prettiest pictures. Except for episode two, which just was a sound stage trash. Yes, sir. <laughs> okay, so my that's it for the Star Wars discussion. There was a conversation that kind of erupted today on Twitter that I thought was kind of funny because one of the things we wanted to do with this podcast is also you know, talk a little bit of, uh, about us as kind of people within the industry and, you know, going to these press screenings and going to these events and, and what effect that has on the way we watch movies. And today, Stephen King responded to a tweet from someone else, and I, I forget who it was that he was responding to, but it was someone who was saying that they, for the first time in their lives, had walked out of a movie, and that movie was Jurassic World Dominion. And Stephen King replied and said the only movie that he has ever walked out of, straight up walked out of, was Michael Bay's Transformers, um, which which cut me deep for one thing because I'm a Stephen King fan and obviously <laughs> and obviously a Transformers fan and kind of a defender of those movies. But I was curious if because we've talked before about movies we wanted to walk out of, but I was curious if you guys have ever straight up walked out of a movie. Oh um, hell yeah! Because it was so bad. Bro, I've Do you had access what it to was? movies. I, I try to get free access to the things I love in life, and I've always loved movies. So even before I did this as a career, I was working at a movie theater in, in where I live now, Nashville, Tennessee, funny enough. Um, yep. And so, yeah, so I got to see every movie that was released between 2003 and 2004, I got to see for free in a million times. In some cases, I've seen Troy 
Soul Plane, Kill Bill <laughs> 2, uh, Euro Trip. Um, like, yeah, there's a whole list of movies that come out between 2003 and 2004 that I could sit and like recite to you, Girl Next Door. Yeah, anyway. So um, one that did come out in that time period, right before I started working in movie theater, though. I oh, know I did pay. No, I no, I did not. I was working there. Um, Thomas Jane's Punisher. Thomas Jane's Ooh, Punisher. Really? Is the only movie I think I have walked out of. Yes. Whoa, I, sure I kind of like that movie. Damn. <laughs> Jesus I went to see it and oh, I was God. the only one. Like I was one of like two people in the theater. I went to see it. I was so excited because this was a time when I went to see every Marvel movie. I thought it was to me as a longtime comic book fan, like an epic victory. So I went like on a Friday matinee and you know, this was opening day. There weren't a lot of people in there. And I couldn't make it past like 30 or 40 minutes. And I was like, bro, I didn't even pay for this. It's free. Like, fuck this. I can't do this to myself. And I got up and walked out. And I just couldn't That's take amazing. It. That is not what I would have expected you to say as the movie that you walked out on. What do you think it would uh, be? I don't know. I mean, I don't know that I would have had one in mind, would but it wouldn't have been. Like I think, a- to be fair, I think the caveat was I knew it was free. And right, like right, right. I could literally go to another theater and watch something I'd rather, even if I had seen it before. I think I went and saw like Girl Next That's Door right. for like the fifth time or something. Or I'm not even sure those yeah. two movies came out, but I went. I know I went and saw something else because it was free. I've never yeah. a paid movie. I don't think I've ever ended up walking out of unless I had to leave for like some kind of reason, like getting yeah. out if there was an emergency or something. Yeah, I think I just. I think I, I just feel like. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I've fallen asleep in plenty of movies because they were terrible. But oh, I, that's my trick. Yeah, that's, that's probably another. Yeah, that's probably a question for another day because I I could name some of those. I think. Oh, um, no, I think I'm just. A, yeah. I think I just think of like the early 2000s as the time where like I would take any superhero movie because like comic book movies were just ramping up, and so like, you know, I would even watch like Elektra and not walk out on that movie, even though it's bad. You know, and so it surprises me that you would have walked out on on anything that was even trying to be a comic book movie, I guess. But I mean, it took me like uh, three days to watch Punisher Warzone because I kept stopping and I was just like, I can't, yeah, like I can't. Oh, that's cringe. That one. Yeah. 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 And I, but it's just because I can't, I think it's because I can't stand that Marvel can't get the Punisher right. It's the easiest thing <laughs> yes. you would think to get right. And <laughs> yeah. it's like, why do you make these terrible movies? And John, Oh, it was John Travolta that made me stop watching that. Thomas Jane. Oh man, I forgot that's I forgot he was in that. That was yeah, bad. I was like, I can't that do this bad. to myself. I saw Battlefield Earth. <laughs> I won't relive this trauma. Oh god, yes. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. Okay, Rob, have you ever walked out of a movie? I have never in my life walked out of a film. Um my big thing is sleeping through them. Um it, nowadays I sleep through them because I'm just tired all the time, including two we reviewed on this podcast. I had to see a second time <laughs> just to know what the hell's going on. Um but no, back in the day, like there's some movies I still have. There's like a ten minute gap I've never actually seen. So like Green Lantern's one of them. There's like a five or ten minute gap when the third act when they get to space, they go to space because whatever happens to Sarsgaard's character, I don't remember that piece of shit. But and then Cowboys and Aliens, I went to the dude. I went to the world premiere of Cowboys and Aliens. Right, I fell asleep during the whole Oof. third act. And I tried watching it again at home on DVD, and I still fell asleep during a period of the third act. So I don't. There's a there's a memory gap there, and I will never fill it in. Um, but I'll tell you this. One movie that almost I almost walked out of, not by my choice, but my girlfriend at the time was like just losing it, is a movie called Timeline. Uh, <laughs> have you seen this shit? Paul Walker, Gerard Butler, two, it's like 20 years ago this thing came out. It was directed by Richard Donner. And it was like, I was having an okay time because it's fucking terrible. My girlfriend it was like, just did, did not want anything to do with this movie. 
I had to kind of like, so I, just, I had to plant myself and just deal with it. But other people were walking out and we were the only two left in this theater. Um, so I almost got out once, but no, I, I've never actually walked out of a film. Yeah, we should have done a sleep conversation because the sleep conversation is a lot. It gets real sorted because uh, people don't know, but like when we were building Screen Rant, like we had to work a lot and we had to work jobs. <laughs> and there was a lot of sleeping because every Monday I would have to work nine to five or nine to six Screen Rant, then go teach from six to 10, yeah. then come home from teaching, try to get see my wife for like a minute before she passed out because she had to work a regular job and be out at like seven in the morning and she wouldn't leave me like make me food and like we'd eat and kind of talk to each other. Then I would have to eat her on Monday nights from like 12 or whatever insane time we decided to start back then. Like we would have to podcast and then Thursday nights because we didn't have access as an independent blog. There were no screenings. We had to go to fucking movie theaters on Thursday nights at midnight (laughs) watch that shit and try to somehow get a review up by like first thing Friday, somewhere in that time window. That's right. And so there, I say all that to say, there may be quite a few reviews that are missing <laughs> actual portions of the truth movie. is out there. Yeah. yeah that's a, Four that's stars for what I saw. Yeah. <laughs> I'm that's why I gave Prometheus 4.5 stars. I, uh, oh, don't play that card, Ben. Okay, so for me, the closest that this ever happened to me, and it and it's not a full walkout, um, I, I guess there were probably times when I was in high school and when I was in like college where I would like double feature movies, you know, where I'd like pay for one movie and then I'd slip into another movie when sure. it was over and double. So like, I did some of that, and there are probably times that I. I may have walked out of movies and been like, nah, this isn't the one I want to, I want to do. Or I would go into a movie and watch it for like, you know, 20 minutes until the movie I wanted to watch would start or something. Um, hide from those, uh, the security people and stuff. But the closest, I guess that I ever came to this was I, and I've told this story on the, on the previous, on the screen Rant underground podcast, but I was slated to review grownups too. Um, you know, the Adam Sandler, Kevin James, Chris Rock, David Smith, you know, oh, the, you the, the this one. We know what you're talking yeah, about. exactly. <laughs> I was slated to, to review that one. And I remember I bought a ticket to it and like, it was when I was living in Seattle and I pulled up to the theater. I handed my ticket over. I walked in, I got a bag of popcorn. And then I was like, I'm not fucking reviewing this movie. And I just walked, I just walked back out and I like messaged Vic and I was like, I'm not reviewing this. No one's going to review, like read this review on the site. Um, but that's the closest I ever came. I just knew I was going to hate it and I didn't, uh, I couldn't be objective about it. So I just, I just forget. Oh, I forgot. But, My most recent wow. one was, uh, what's that Dave Batista movie? Is it I spy? What was that? Stuber. Oh, what's I liked that. Called? What's that? Wait, are we talking about the one with the little girl and him? Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. Is it I no. spy or something like that? Or? Yeah, I spy or something like that. It's some or like it's something the spy something. Anyway, that movie I walked out my of, spy. but not I spy. Yeah, yeah my but spy. not because it was bad, but because it was it was on February fifteenth, twenty twenty. That's when I went to see that, and that's uh. what <laughs> that was the day that like. Yeah, they started closing offices down down here in Nashville. Yeah. And I went to the door of the theater and I just had like a panic attack and I walked in and I was like, I don't want to die here. I was like, I don't want to die from this. (laughs) I'm not going to die for it. And I ran and I ran to the Target across the mall lot and I made a doomsday and I purchased a doomsday. (laughs) 
make a doomsday <laughs> that is still some of it in our garage. And my wife like even comes out. She now comes men to me. She's like, man, you're really on top of it. Like I had everything. We had no toilet paper shortage in my house, people. I was on top of it. Sorry, Batista, but I had to go and I prepared and we had no toilet paper shortage. I had a whole triage thing with every medicine and Pedialyte you can imagine. It was nuts. But uh, that was the only time I've ever walked out of a movie in That's like funny. recent memory. That's funny. That uh, I think I saw that movie like on Amazon Prime during the pandemic. If I, I remember couldn't, I, correctly, I can't watch it. I can't too watch guilt. It <laughs> no, it, 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 it's attached to this insane. Because I mean, we all know that was like yeah. those days were yeah. like the scariest thing I think I've ever fucking lived through. And it's all just, the dominoes are falling. Yeah, yeah, and like yeah, and it was like, is this the start of that movie? I didn't ever wanted to live through. Like this is what we're doing now. Um, so I can't. I literally can't watch it. It's just like PTSD. I can't. I started. I tried to start it when it like was finally at home, and I was just like, I can't do this. Wait, what am I doing? Ben, have you seen this? You saw so I, Yeah, I, I liked it. I thought it was. Oh, I never saw it. I was gonna say we should all watch. It I would. I would point. encourage you guys. I mean, I would encourage you guys to watch it. I thought it was. I thought it was good. It's, ben, is know, it worth I mean, it's the end like, of the world for? Is it worth dying? No, yeah, we've got to wait a few years, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> You know what? You know what's funny is I was looking. I was just looking on the site on Screen Rant to see if we re- anybody ended up reviewing it, and it doesn't look like anybody did, which seems freaking crazy to me because we we're all just no, like locked it, the, it, it literally came out the weekend. Poor Batista, that came out the weekend. Yeah. Like the entire world fell apart. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. crazy. That's a bummer. It was fun. I mean, I'm you know I'm not about to like go to bat for it necessarily, but I thought he was great in it. The girl that's in it, Chloe Coleman, was really was really cute and good. Um, oh, I'd, I'd tell people to check it out. Check it out. Not Kofi though, because I don't want Kofi to have like you know PTSD from the pandemic or anything. But I think it's unfortunate because I don't know that that movie would have done that great in theaters anyway. Eventually, I mean, it's not. we gotta heal. We gotta heal. That's it. Yeah, that's, maybe that's it. Maybe you just sit down with the family, watch it, and you know it'll be like a healing experience for you. Um, in this in this world of just insane shit that's happening constantly and assault on our senses all the time. Uh, all right. Well, thank you for indulging me. I thought that was just kind of an interesting, uh, an interesting thing. I, you know, respect Stephen King. I, you know, I just disagree with him on transformers, but you know, he's welcome on the podcast. You don't, you don't walk out of it. I mean, okay. Not the first one anyways. Yeah. What did you, (laughs) did you miss the Megan Fox parts? Like what were you walking out on? And I did an article about how it's coming back to theaters this year. But the beginning of that movie is legit a really good just coming of age boy trying to meet girl and get his first car story. Like, yeah, for sure. And those kids really liked each other. They had great chemistry, you know, like Shia LaBeouf and Megan Fox. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. Transformers 1 was great to see just because of the insane neurotic shit Michael Bay made them do where they actually had to physically make cars transform into robots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you see every working he made those fucking animators animate every working part of a car and show and figure out how to transform it into robots. Now you look yeah. at the Bumblebee movie and the G1 thing they do, they just make the little sound effect, the fucking thing transforms, and you're like, that's even much better. That's what I wanted. Those poor animators. I'll never forget when Transformers 2 came out. They they were rushing to they didn't know if it was going to make its release date and especially in IMAX because they couldn't render back then they couldn't render the IMAX scenes oh, I remember to full that. resolution yeah, I remember that. 
like the forest scene was kicking their ass where I, where Optimus gets killed. Spoilers for that old ass film, Transformers too. Um, <laughs> but uh, where he gets killed in the forest, yeah, they couldn't render it. They couldn't get it done, and it, it came down to like the night before release day or something. They got that done. Oh, so man, crazy. they should have just canceled that movie, right? Was it? Yeah, yeah that was happening all during the writer's strike yeah. and everything. Too. That was a writer's strike film, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a writer's strike film. Oh man, we have lived through some crazy things. That's where we started this. I started yeah. working for a site called Critics Rant during a writer's strike, and that's what led to Screen Rant because it was just like the writer's strike screwed. <laughs> it was not enough. That <laughs> <laughs> site went under. Um, but uh, yeah, man, like, oof, I've never been more disappointed than by a film's title that sounded like it was going to be so good. And then, yeah. Oh man, we're revenge of the I was like, yeah. this is gonna be we were all like, remember that? We were like, holy shit, this is gonna be the Empire Strikes Back of Transformers. After the first one, dude, there was so much hype. That was like one of the big three things I wrote about. It was like, let's do character guides and toy guides for the second movie, and then we all watch oh. it. We're like, what the fuck? Oh, <laughs> They've we already were, ruined it. We were uh, toy guides for those that whole series. Yeah, that was like that was some Paul Young stuff, man. Like every time there was uh, like he would do those character guides where it was like 40 transformers or whatever in them yeah, it would take him two uh, weeks that poor man because he went he would be obsessed with getting every one yeah and like he'd be like what's this like red it? car in the background and it's just like i think somebody a digital artist left that in i don't even think that's a real person <laughs> yeah and then yeah. we had we have a long history with the transformers series because then transformers 3 i think we talked about this on the old podcast but we got called out by michael bay oh. for something that we were right about Oh but was God. the first oh, one of the yeah that came out that came up even like uh recently that came back up in discussion and I spazzed out and everybody in the comic book office was like what is wrong with you I was like you don't <laughs> fucking get it you young fuckers don't get it like you don't get what it's like to be passed out after a New York night and then have your phone going off and somebody saying hey we got a problem Michael Bay is very angry with you and being like yeah. Michael Bay should have no idea. Who I am, <laughs> we are. Yeah. or what state I'm in right now? Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. yeah. So let's frame that, that since we're just randomly now rambling about things. So yeah, yeah, they didn't really film Transformers three with three D with three cameras. We had a guy on the set who knew everything is and was a camera nerd. We're not going to mention your name, buddy, but you you held it down on this one. He was a yeah. he was one of our employees and a good and, and still a good guy, a good friend of us. Uh, yes, sir. And so. Yeah, he he knew his stuff. He he was, I mean, of the many jobs out of the young boy's job wish book that he had ever wanted to have, a uh, film director was one of them, and he knew his stuff, and he knew cameras, and he knew by being around the set that they weren't really filming in 3D, even though they were hyping it as a 3D movie. And so we published a report on ScreenRant.com that was sourced and, you know, really thoroughly looked at. And had all the evidence and said, yeah, they're not really using 3D cameras on Transformers 3. Michael Bay spazzed out. So I woke up the next day to people blowing up my phone saying, Michael Bay is basically going to kill you. And I was like, oh, great. Here we go. And he just like crapped on screen ran. He was like, they don't know what they're talking about. We got so much hate for that. Every person oh, who had ever yeah. like wanted to crap on us was there that day. They showed up just to crap. Luckily, this was before Twitter blew up and there was film Twitter, so we didn't have to take it that bad. This was just like worrying about our comment sections, right? It, um, yeah, it, yeah. It, it was especially bad too because we were really good about it. Because like the, the, the their pitch was like this film is entirely shot in three D. Yeah. And, and like, where there's no fucking way because back then the 3D IMAX cameras were massive. You couldn't do yep. all the moving shots. Wasn't that no avatar, it. buddy. 
Exactly. But we said in an article, yes, there are scenes they shot in 3D, but there are scenes they just can't do in 3D because it's too mobile. So they have to do post-conversion for those scenes. That's all we said. And we said, we know because we're on set. We're one of the drivers on set. So we saw all this shit and we, you know, like we won't name names, but like Kofi said, we, we said all of that full disclaimer and we weren't even shitting on the movie. We're just saying there are some shots that can't do 3D, some they can. Here's why. Here's what we saw. Right. And then Michael Bay takes to his own goddamn blog. And calls his head saying, exactly, these guys are liars. And then, you know, I think however many years later, it actually came out and he spoke, I think, openly about it. Someone spoke openly yeah. about it. I think it was him. And it's, you know, we were right all along, obviously. Yeah, well, yeah it was like a total God Rick damn. James. It was one of those Rick James Chicago <laughs> things. It was like, yeah, you guys, yeah, I remember not being able to shoot in those 3D cameras. <laughs> Like it was like, yes, no shit. <laughs> yeah, like this. Yeah, yeah. But that's the industry, man. Everybody's got a product to sell. Everybody's got a front and say something to sell something. But uh, yeah, I mean, we got a long way away from where we were. So the black phone. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, the man, he's getting a check. He's just creepy, doing creepy stuff. One show, he's creepy just by showing his face. Mother movie, he's creepy by never showing his face. And uh, yeah, uh, the black phone wasn't a scary horror movie today, but it, or to me, but it was a very good episode of like uh, Twilight Zone or Tales from the Crypt or something on that vein. Like one of those crazy horror movie, like horror parables tales. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and the casting was great. We're going to talk about a yeah. good, well casted movie. Every child actor and Ethan Hawke in that is uh, well cast. So it's got Yeah, that Madeline was, McGraw, that Madeline oh, McGraw yeah. chick is going to be a star. Like, oh, yeah. For sure. No, no doubt. Like, like, yeah. Yeah. If they ever do a um, freaking uh, reboot of uh, Kick Ass, she'd be a great hit girl. Oh, yeah, you're totally right. She would be a great hit girl. Um, okay, well, that that does it for this episode of Podcast X. Whoa, that's not it. We had a we had one more subject to go through. Because by oh, the time this is up, people are going to be, I mean, the biggest thing is going to be Stranger Things 4 Mania. Like, the last episodes of the season. So, we haven't, obviously, we have not screened it. <laughs> we had this discussion. Somebody at Comic Book asked us if they thought that they were going to release the last two episodes early and we'd be able to screen them. And I, I couldn't stop laughing for a minute. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was like for what, for what, what possible <laughs> reason? Hype for this? Yeah. Yeah. The answer. I was just like, what possible yeah. reason could Netflix have to leak this highly secretive thing? Like, are we all not going to watch unless they do, unless we give you reviews about it? Like, what are you talking about? Anyway. Yeah. So when we come out, stranger things, mania will be in full swing. So, uh, who do you guys think in the Duffer brothers, one of our most popular articles written by yours truly is them kind of teasing that. Yeah. There's going to be not a happy ending to this. And we're going to be emotionally broken over 4th of July weekend. Who do you guys think is going to die? <sighs> Man, now this tough. lives on forever, so you will have, you know, future you will have to answer to past you here. Everybody keeps talking about the, the idea that Steve would die. Um, and that does feel like that's probable, given the fact that, like, he's they're kind of trying to build that romance back up with Nancy. Like, I could see him sacrificing himself. For the, you know, for his friends and for this woman that he he clearly still has feelings for. Um, That's my I guess. Will I be, think it's Steve or Jonathan, yeah. and one of them exactly. Yeah, I think it's gonna be. A, I think they're gonna Black Widow Hawkeye it, except Nancy's the Soul Stone, and to save yeah. her. Yeah, That's it. Yeah, I've, and Eddie's my the, other the guy to replace whoever they lose. 
That's exactly it. Because Jonathan, it feels like they've been just like kind of struggling to like bring the two of them back together in a way that makes any sense now. So like I could also see Jonathan sacrificing himself for, you know, his friends and his little brother and Nancy and then Nancy kind of getting happiness with Steve long term. Um, I don't think they kill any of the main kids. And I don't think they can kill Hopper at this point because they already fake killed Hopper. I think that's a season five thing. Um, so my prediction is I'm going to predict Steve just because that's going to upset more people than Jonathan. <laughs> people probably want Jonathan to die at this point. Hmm. Hey, I'm back. I go to the bathroom. Oh. Yo, is black phone worth seeing? I love Scott Derrickson. <laughs> We're <laughs> talking about who we think is going to die on Stranger yeah. Things now. Who did your Stranger oh, Things looks great. Like oh yeah, Steve, Dickens. for sure. That guy was such a dick in the first season. He deserves to go. <laughs> um, and Justice so for pretty- Barb. So your <laughs> your prediction, Kofi, is the same as mine. It's Steve. Like if you had to come down on Steve or Jonathan, you're saying Steve. I think Steve would be the bigger impact of killing. Yes, sir. Him off. Um, yeah. Yeah. I does. Do you think Murray makes it out of this? Makes it out of Russia alive? That's another one that I had a question mark next to. I mean, I hope so because Murray's. I mean, Murray holds down <laughs> a lot of the series. Show. I've been yeah. rewatching the series. Yeah. I'm now back up to season four. And yeah, I mean, Murray has been holding down a lot of this series, just hilariously. So he's just he's a great the star, star of the show. <laughs> he's also one I could see them. Remember, there's a whole universe they can build after this. And he's one I could easily see them riding yeah, into a new storyline sure. because he investigates crazy stuff, right? He's kind of like a Fox Mulder. And if you yeah. need a Stranger Things X-Files, like he's the dude you'd build that around. I would love yeah. to see him and Joyce and Hopper just do like a spinoff. The three of them are fucking hilarious. Yeah, but-, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. Um, so I don't think Murray dies. Um, it'd be crazy to kill off Winona Ryder. I think that'd be kind of that'd be kind of ballsy if they killed her. Um, yeah, she sacrificed again. You know, talking about a sacrifice person, and, and they always used to have, they love to have these battles in two two fronts, right? Every season has yeah. like the adults are somewhere, the kids are somewhere, you know, it's like awesome whole thing. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think they could kill off one of the kids. I don't think that would still be a good idea right now. Maybe I don't think, uh, (laughs) the nation is trying to deal with that right now. Um, so I hope (laughs) they don't, otherwise they're going to be doing a lot of interviews about, we plan this. We had no idea. Like we plan this, but if one of the kids had to go, I know Will still, they've already indicated Will has, still has a story to come, which could be a complete misdirection to kill Will. Um, that'd be kind of hardcore. <sighs> Will uh, certainly feels like the one that's most underserved by the story still. Like he exists just because of kind of what happened to him in the past. Like he doesn't contribute much. So if they do end up killing him, that'll be, I think it'll feel pretty hollow. It'll just be like, well, why didn't you just leave it's also like, upside down? Or I don't see what Will's happy ending is. Like, I yeah. think, I mean, you go back and you see the series and you're like, oh, yeah, since day one, they've been kind of building up this thing about him and Mike and all this stuff. And yeah. even when they're in the young age before they kind of knew what that was, like they have all these like yeah. kind of little hints, but it's never going to be reconciled. Mike is in love with Eleven. And so, like, I think he'll just have a death scene where he'll get to. He could He's got that see. poster, too, right? Like there's this poster of the painting that he did or whatever that seems un. Oh, yeah. Like that's that is like a freaking emotional bomb that's going to go off at some point because it's going to be like maybe they do kill him because if they kill him, then that 
painting or whatever it is, that's, you know, you have the scene with everybody realizing what that was. And it was like all of them together as friends or something. And sure. It's even more bittersweet or something. Yep. Oh, that makes sense. Will making the sacrifice play to save his loved ones and friends and all that stuff. That makes sense. But at the same time, I mean, the buyer's family has been through enough, man. Like we lost right. Sean Astin as well. You know, like death follows Joyce. She thought she lost Hopper, man. It's true. That's true. Uh, yeah, it depends how deep into the horror part of it they go. But, you know, another obvious guess is, hey, Eleven has to go because she, you know, is integral to causing all this stuff. But same, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to say. But Steve, yeah. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Steve. Sorry, Joe Keery. Now you can go play Young Wolverine. Or you can do Free what? Guy 2 or whatever. Free Guy 2. I still think he needs to play the Joker just so you can have a poster where it's just like Joe Keery with yeah, like oh, yeah, scary yeah. letters crossed out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, yeah, we'll see. Plus I mean, we'll be hair. back next. Dye green. That's true. He does. Yeah. I mean, the hair is the hair is great for sure. But the guy, the Vecna dude. What's his name? Uh, number one. That's the Joker, Amy right? Campbell Bauer. That's it. Thank you. Yeah. Well, that'd be funny right? if he's uh, in Stranger Things and Steve takes his Joker job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He'd be like, you gotta be ahead in this industry, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah, we'll be back next week to see if any of our predictions here were accurate. Um, that will do it for this this week's episode. We covered way more topics than I thought we were going to, um, but that was a good Star Wars discussion. I uh, I think that was I think that I really liked that. I enjoyed that. And I think our listeners will. If you want to know more about why I'm right and these guys are wrong about Star Wars, you can always find me over at comicbook.com, <laughs> Star Wars, or on the excellent Comic Book Nation podcast where we uh we celebrate Star Wars and uh interview some a lot of the creators and stuff like that of the books and the comics and all that good stuff. So that yeah, that was Kofi's outro, Rob Keys. And if you really care about details in Star Wars canon, you can follow me at Rob underscore keys. That's K-E-Y-E-S and um failcube on Twitch and uh Instagram. And if you're interested in, you know, following someone who, you know, meets these guys in the middle, that's, that's me, who, who doesn't the industry, much, who doesn't hate things as much as Rob and doesn't like things as much as Kofi when it comes to Star Wars. Um, you can follow me at Ben Kendrick on on Twitter. I ain't give Prometheus uh, no goddamn four point five stars. <laughs> oh, shit, yeah. Um, you can check out my reviews at ScreenRant.com and follow what I'm up to over at Rise at Seven. Thank you all for listening. We will see you guys next week. 